there are two sides of you. One is a role where as a manager, you have to lead a team. When you lead that particular team, you give it your best and people always have a, a reason to leave and a meaning to stay. Wow. And if you can provide people a meaning to stay or a meaning in, in their jobs and their lives, they're more likely to stay with you. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Dr. Wayne Dyer said this to me when I met him in London many years ago. Our conversation today with our guest on the podcast is a testimony of this particular quote. Because after this, when you look at the same problem, you won't look at them in the same manner. Something would shift because your perspective would be questioned, challenged, and I think also altered. Thank you so much for joining me one more time on India's first graphology-based leadership show called Absolutely Right with Aditi Surana. I'm your host. I'm a behavioral analyst, a high-performance coach, and an anti-anxiety expert. Every Wednesday, we invite a guest who is a phenomenal leader, high performer, who through their journey talk about what they are amazing at and how they reach there and what are the behavioral changes they did or what did they do to cultivate you know, their personality, their, their mindset, and those action points, those ways you can implement in your life, in your professional career to make the shift required to claim the best version of yourself. I am privileged to have this conversation with our guest today, Esme Nathan, the partner and chief talent officer for Deloitte India, a professional with more than 30 years of experience who is recognized as one of the top HR professionals in the country on multiple platforms. One of them was by LinkedIn in 2017 when he was considered as one of the top three HR power profiles. He has also served as a national secretary for NHRDA, which is considered as one of the best organizations for HR professionals to network. There's so much that I learned from this one simple, single conversation because Nathan's stories, his way of speaking, actually uncomplicated many conflicts in the manner he spoke. Pick a takeaway, put it into action, and tell me what did you learn? How did you transform by this conversation? My email ID is right, W R I T, at aditisrana.com. Hi, Nathan. Welcome to Absolutely Right. Hi, Aditi. It is, you know, it's a, it's a curious journey because the very moment I saw your handwriting, I asked you a question Have you ever explored graphology before? And to my surprise, the answer was very interesting. I'm not going to like speak about it please go ahead what was your interest in graphology my interest in graphology started what about some 40 years ago some 35 years ago and i just found that people were writing different people write in different ways and in those times you had handwritten notes and few things were timed and i i was wondering if there is a if there is a science or an art behind all this, and could you really tell? And then to my surprise, I found that there was really a branch of science or arts, which is about graphology. So I went into it. I, I did that for about a year, year and a half. Okay. And I used to amuse my friends talking about, <laughs> hey, if, if this is this, your personality is likely to be this or it is so. And they would give me their, their friends and say, can you tell me something about it? 
And then over a period of time, I found that people were now typing a lot. And then the mails came in. Then I completely lost interest. But I do know that there is a positive correlation between the way that you write and the person who one could be. So when I looked at your handwriting, the one thing that stood out for me, and I think I must begin my conversation or analysis with that. So for our listeners, uh, just to have the context, I have asked uh, Nathan to write a handwriting sample and on a blank, unruled sheet of paper, he wrote a paragraph. Uh, as I describe it, one of the interesting things is when he writes his handwriting, the size is, say, for example, medium. But when he writes his signature, there is one specific uh, long stroke in his letter H or T, or I think at the end of the signature, that goes on the top at almost three to four times. And then it comes down and connects to his, his signature. Now, if you have a uh, stroke like that, which is an extension in the upper side of your signature, in the middle of it, not the first letter, anything but that, that means you are very curious, inquisitive. You're constantly reaching out to information that is otherwise not interested. People completely miss. There's a spiritual interest, obviously. There's an intuitive interest. So any faculty that can make your brain activated is in a way accentuated, is always stimulated. And in any work of your life, and I mean any, if you don't feel intellectual stimulation, you're out of it. Within minutes, within seconds, sometimes you just can smell it from a distance and you don't even go that side. And people are like, but it is lucrative. You should do it. It's socially appropriate, everything, everything. But for you, if it is not stimulating after a point, you cannot pretend to be happy with it. My, 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 you read me <laughs> like a book. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> so on our show, if you like something, then you say absolutely right, because that's the name of the show. Oh, absolutely right. <laughs> okay. Another thing that stands out, and uh, it's interesting to see this, uh, and I would connect it to the observation I just made. When you write your letter Y, it is a, a stick-like formation, which means it comes down and it the loop is not complete. There are multiple interpretations of that this particular letter, but one of them is you love to be by yourself as much as you can. So, you know, that public image that you have and you are surrounded by people all the time and you are you love leading them and everything. But the other side of your personality, which very few people, close people would be aware of, is given a chance, you would spend as much time possible being by yourself. And that, uh, not even a loner, but the whole idea of like, you know, being alone. So if you have to make a comp conflicting decision where many people are involved and everything is happening you may talk to people you get their opinion but the actual decision is made when you spend time alone and sometimes you really have to ask people to give you that room so that you can bring in your clarity absolutely right <laughs> I, I i in a day i would spend almost like a couple of hours all by myself wow yeah so i i love my music I love to watch all kinds of movies. I am a lot into social media. That takes a fair amount of time. <laughs> but more than anything, I, I just love my book. Nice. So there are a lot of books that you read, lots of things. And it all also means that you've got to be by yourself. You've got to find some time for yourself. And um, I like a certain peace and calmness around. So 
absolutely right i i don't want all evenings with hanging around with a lot of friends because um you want to do it once a while it's not like uh, one would want to be antisocial i certainly love to be in the company of a lot of dear friends uh but would i do it on a daily basis very unlikely i'd like to be with myself absolutely right they say no if you enjoy your own company you're a happier person in the long run so oh. <laughs> i would definitely describe you like that so i was i as i said about your uh, intellectual pursuits is there anything specifically that you pursue you study you have been studying over the years i i, I read a number of books hmm. a lot of books and uh, i'm not particularly hung up about any one particular book or an author and so on i like different perspectives any recommendations for our listeners i would say uh, things like stumbling on happiness is a is a good book okay it's a so yeah so um when you talk about people and your connection with them and what what at what point in your career you felt this is what you would like to do or you would like to you know really pursue them keeping in mind that you are curious as a person in general and not necessarily very extroverted oh um i am very extrovert i am very extrovert this is a this is almost like there is a half moon kind of stuff <laughs> so <laughs> Well, one side is the one which is all with by myself one is again outside and i got i got interested in people by the way uh, in my early days i used to be all by myself fairly introverted and i did this all the way up until let's say college mm. that's the time when you realize you got to be working with friends i was in the ncc i was into athletics i was in a lot of team games and in in these kinds of situations you have to be with people and so it just got me to believe that it's nothing can be done really on your own you have to do it with people through people i actually described you as an introvert uh, which uh, in handwriting when we look at it uh, when you have your slant of the writing the movement left right or straight your most parts of your writing are straightish so you would be ambiguous in general but more with introvert traits so according to me all the social skills and people skills are acquired which means you had to work really hard at cultivating them unlike somebody who is natural which makes yeah. the journey even tougher and more deliberate than other people right like you had to work at it you have to observe you have to make the course correction and you know that is i think phenomenal because for you to choose a career which is related to people means you had to go that extra mile to observe and dig deeper so absolutely do you feel comfortable absolutely not um i realized that you hit upon that magic button of what it means to relate with people when you're authentic how beautiful so i realized that what i have as a as a persona outside could be different from the person i'm inside right and i then over some period of time i 
I felt it's it's good to be just the person that you are, the 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 best of you or the worst of you it doesn't really matter, and people don't people judge you if they have half truths, sure, and data which is incomplete. But if they have the whole data, if they know you completely, then the whole equation changes. But is it possible for anybody to know us completely? No, not possible. So it's thereby possible. people will be judging you in some or the other manner. Is what you're saying. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The as long as you're authentic unto yourself, life is good. And if people are judgmental and they would, it's their call. It's their world. But if you're getting too caught up with it and trying to do something because somebody said so, that's when you allow. Um, the steady stream of unhappiness into your life, because then you're not your authentic self. You're not you're not true to your skin. I want to really explore this authenticity, especially in a corporate culture where you have so many norms to follow. There are so many people who are constantly evaluating you, assessing you, telling you what you should and shouldn't be doing, what is acceptable in the culture, and what is not. How do you then carve this whole? acceptable, progressive, appreciated, productive, public image, and still authentic self? Um, so you got to do a few things for the corporate world. And you got to do a few things, which is your authentic self. I'll give you an example. Um, I grew up in Nagpur. I mean, when I say grew up in Nagpur, one of the time in my life as I was in high school, I was in Nagpur. I spent about four years in Nagpur. Okay. And in those days, I didn't know how to eat with a fork and knife. Okay. And I decided that I will go to India Coffee House. And in India Coffee House at three o'clock in the afternoon, you'll have a lot of Parsi ladies who will come in <laughs> and they would have dosa. They'll have a masal dosa and which they will use a fork and knife. Really? And they and and it's it's crazy because what they would do is they take the dosa and put it on top of the prong yeah. and they would you and they would then insert that and use the left hand for doing it. Aditi, I did this for almost like six months on trot. Half the dosas were on the floor. I can imagine. <laughs> but it helped me yeah. because when I went in for my final interviews and in those days. Etiquette was important. Yeah, yeah, sure. And and then I went and I I aced the interviews and of course the other thing that followed. If I go to a a South Indian Udupi hotel today, I will eat my hands. <laughs> so that's the other side. So of course, of course. So there are two sides. I mean, so if, in that place, if you ask for a fork and knife, that that'll be crazy. So are you saying the public image here? What you required to do was a skill that you learned because it mattered for your job. But when it comes to your own journey, your own preferences, you would still, still eat with your hands because this is who you are and this is how you like it. Exactly. You have to be who you are. And in some circumstances, when situation demands that you behave and act in a certain way, you, you got to do in Rome what Romans do. I love the simplicity with which you gave this example because... Uh, 
when I analyze people, I always say this, that personality is a process. It is not a fixed idea. You're not like born with one and you don't live with one. You actually keep cultivating. So if something is not working, like you said, I didn't have the skill. I worked at it for six months and I kept practicing it until I mastered it. And I still choose to do what I enjoy otherwise. You're not fixated with your new personality cultivation. That's amazing. Thank you. You know, uh, I have heard so much about you as a storyteller. People, I have heard you speak in NHRD conferences. uh, And every time you address the crowd, you always spoke with some stories, some examples, some anecdotes. And now I know where it, how it flows. It's, It's beautiful. Thank you. So we asked one of our uh, community members uh, to ask us questions. And one of the questions Sanjana has asked that in days today, like in current day and age, when we have so much of attrition happening and people are constantly struggling with just keeping up with their jobs and figuring out uh, their survival, how do you lead? And what are those aspects that one should keep in mind? when you are already under that pressure of, I don't know where I'm going to go. And now you have to lead, like say a team of five, 10 or 500 people. How do you keep the perspective? Let's, let's kind of reframe this. There are two sides of you. One is a role where as a manager, you have to lead a team. When you lead that particular team, you give it your best and people always have a, a reason to leave and a meaning to stay. Wow. And if you can provide people a meaning to stay or a meaning in, in their jobs and their lives, they're more likely to stay with you. Otherwise, people will always have a reason. Dialogues help. Is it, can, you, can you give us an example of this? Oh, yes, absolutely. So um, here was this, this girl who comes up and says, Nathan, I... I have decided to put in my papers and please, um, would you kindly accept this? So I said, well, um, do, we, do you wish to speak about this? She said, I've already made up my mind. And I said, well, that's absolutely fine. All of us certainly make up our minds before we come up and speak to somebody. That's fine. But would you care to spend some time with me? She said, sure. And I started the dialogue by saying, listen, we'll start this by saying, you need to have an open mind and a willing heart. And if you take these two, then we will start the dialogue. She said, yes. Okay. So I said, what do you want to do? Then she spoke about uh, not why she was leaving, but what she really wanted to do. She said, I wanted to lead, I wanted to do this, I wanted to be a person in charge. And autonomy seemed to be very important for her. And at the moment, her leader was not giving her that space. And see, when people lead, they all get 20%, 30%, even sometimes 40% or more. So that's the reason. I mean, that, that's action subsequent. It happens. But I don't think people come into organization and say, I'm going to stay for two years and I'm going to jump on another job and give me another 30% more and I'm going to do this for the next 10 years. No, they don't do that. So uh, the more that she spoke, the more I got to know that if that's so important to her, uh, in my mind, I was already framing, 
another question. I said, would, would you be open to looking at an opportunity within where you would have complete autonomy for this kind of a role? And you, you don't have to say yes or no right now, but would you want to think about it and come back? The very fact that it was seen to be a dialogue, it was not, no, no, you cannot leave. You'll have to serve out your notice period. Do, or I'm going to give you. No, it was just a very honest conversation. Mm. At the end of it, the person came back and said, uh, let's have another chat. One thing led to another. She's, she's with us now, very happy in a completely new role. And she's one of our shining stars. Oh, nice. So when we have situations like these, and you know, today we want to speak a lot about conflicts and how one can have those uncomfortable conversations. I meet people, and as a coach, you have to always say what people require to hear, but at the same time, say what they need to hear. And in both these cases, you're you are negotiating your words all the time. And I feel the skill as a coach is, I have learned and I have kind of worked at it. But most people aren't aware of it and they do not know where to begin their journeys. So we have lots of aspiring leaders and leaders who are our listeners. So if you can speak about in these moments of conflict, when people are confronted by it or when they have to deal between, when they have to deal with conflict, which are between two or more people, how do you start the communication and what are the things to keep in mind? We have to... Uh, we have to keep three things in mind when you get into these kinds of conversations. First, listen. We completely underrate this particular need. It's a skill. Mm. Not to interrupt. Listen to them. And listen to them, which I call as, it's known as active listening. Ask questions in the nature of understanding not to respond or immediately react. Oh, is that so? Would you want to say more? Kindly help me understand you more better. What is the situation like? And, and so on. One leads to the other one. So that's one. The second thing is um, showing a sense of empathy and care. You might have a conflicting objective. Perfectly okay. But unless you seek to understand a person, then to be understood, you could be missing the wood for the trees. And the last one is look at possibilities and look at things which they would want and then look at what is it that you have in your mind and, and then see whether there is some kind of convergence. Let me give you an example. Yes. So there was, there was this person who was one of our shining managers and she was she was doing exceedingly well in her job and then one day it happens one day something happened and and this whole thing broke um, she wasn't performing that's what her manager said she was always very very rude on the call and it's difficult these are all last couple of years have been very difficult for us rude on the call, she won't take the calls and she, even if she comes on the calls, I mean we all insist, right, you please come on camera and she would say could you please excuse me, I don't think I can come on camera and 
And it led to a lot of confrontation. At some point in time, the business leader said, you've got to do away with this person. We must terminate her. So they issued a letter of termination. I didn't know about it. Okay. Then this woman got in touch with me and she um, she said, "Well, I'm going to um, I'm going to say this to you straight, Nathan. It just seems rather unfair." So then we got into a dialogue, and it was and everybody had told me that she is. They use a strong word. She's a termagant. It's very difficult to speak to her. So I said, very fine. And I had a very clear objective in my mind. People, were, people had told me, you have to make sure that she stays terminated. I don't think the firm is going to ever. And those kinds of things. And here I was. Um, I'd like to listen to people first understand the stories so i spoke to her let me call her bharti just something. just for a story yeah okay just for a story i asked bharti i said tell me bharti what's it and then and then there was suddenly in the in the in the backdrop i heard the sound of a of a dog which was barking and she said sorry nathan there's an ambient noise there i said don't worry what's the name of your pet and then we started speaking about pets and 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 at some stage uh, she and i had a common ground achieving a common ground is very important which is all about listening right and and i believe listening is just not listening it is listening to the unsaid listening to the ankahi reading between the lines yeah and and what is not said and the more and she felt that um, she felt violated by a system where she was always a topper and somebody was telling her that she was not as good. And so then I spent a lot of time with her and, and then I asked her some leading question. I even, I said, look, Bharti, would you want to work in another place and she said there's no way that I'm going to work with this manager this that etc etc and some point in time she said um, I, I asked her this question what is most important to you I, I also realized that she had a baby Ooh. and difficult times right you have a baby you have this it's it's a lot of pressure then she said nothing is it okay if I take a break and this is after many conversations. Mm -hmm. she said, yeah. I said, of course. And by the way, I'll be very happy to have you back. Right. And the moment she, she heard that, she said, well, um, here, is, here is a conversation where somebody values me as a person. What do we want? We want to be valued. Of course. And anyways, Bharti, Took some time, she left, and she's doing well. I continue to stay in touch with Bharti. Her daughter is growing up fine. I still check about her pet, and we are good friends. Oh, nice. And self-esteem is important. The moment you understand people, what they are about, it just goes a long way, Aditi. So, Nathan, so many times people 
you know talk about this whole idea that we want to connect to our teams and we want to do this but time is a constraint there's so many things to cater to and if you keep listening to people uh, and i because we do listening modules in our mental gym uh, we we have seen this constant conversation so people are like if i listen to you i'm obliged to agree i'm obliged to to follow what you demanded or what you asked so if i don't listen to you and instead of understanding you if i'm only busy making you understand i'm in a better place and that's the insecure positioning of listening so how do you go about that you have only as many people on your team so you have to carve out time as what i call as check in time okay when you do a check in time that 30 minutes you're with that person not talking about work but just talking aimless stuff because when people start a conversation they would talk about things which is which are like on top of their mind mm. and as you start to keep speaking you will get to understand uh, the source of where these kinds of thoughts reside they get to understand you you get to understand them and by the way it's perfectly okay to be vulnerable for example i would at times i would say uh, you know what it's not a great day for me aditi mm. you know we are having this uh, conversation today but the day has been it's a miserable start to the day mm. and you would ask me a question say another what happened now recognize i'm speaking to a member of my team of course and they would always see me as a the towering leader. leader and and here i am telling them about all the foibles in my life and what's happening around me i could talk about and and the moment they hear it mm. they would say yes i think he's normal <laughs> so going back to the point of authenticity you're saying that instead of pretending projecting and only living up to the role you also give yourself the space of being who you are as a person you know that was the format that was the exact reason why we started this show back two years back because i felt mostly when leaders are interviewed they come on the platform and they talk about all the best practices and how cool they are and how amazing they are and we said wait but they're still human they would also have their own questions how about their their concerns and their stress issues if they ask a question our listeners will understand they can also ask a question they can also talk about things that are not working and what you're saying is being completely vulnerable was the center theme for which we designed the format of the show the way we did so thank you thank you for saying this so nathan over to you what questions can i answer looking at your writing uh one question to you there's always this whole thing of being and staying relevant so i'd like some thoughts from you because this is the this is a fear that i sometimes experience mm -hmm. and therefore i would overindulge in doing reading this that and all that but that 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 fear is there or staying relevant to the people around to the younger generation to the firm that i'm working in to the profession that i'm part of okay So I'm going to, before I answer that question, dive a little bit into what you just spoke about as your listening skills. 
uh, in graphological context when you write your lowercase letter e if the e the loop in the e is open and is well formed then you are an amazing listener and by listening not only hearing what people say but the observations reading between the lines so i feel the idea of relevance comes from the fact that you observe where the person is at and where he or she would like to go or where the team is at and where they would like to go and then there is other aspect where are you willing to mold yourself into that situation for example if you understand a group of young employees or team members really love certain kind of music and you're not in that kind of music are you willing to explore what they are doing now when it comes to your learning and your learnability as i said it is a curiosity driven thing so you walk into the situation wanting to learn wanting to know wanting to explore but at some point it becomes i have to do this so the very moment from the curiosity it moves to your responsibility or the must haves is where it becomes difficult boring and uninteresting it is not the thing it's not the people but it's the approach with which you start looking at things which gets to you so every time you catch yourself pushing yourself because you have to do certain things to be relatable i think this is where you can introspect a bit more to see what is the motive behind this action and i believe that would really that little observation would help thank you thank you thank you absolutely correct thank you <laughs> <laughs> also i feel in last 4 to 5 years to be specific you are being slightly more impatient than who you used to be and i'm saying that in graphology we have a lower case letter t formation if the horizontal line moves to the right and is about to leave the the vertical line that means you want to move forward to a point that staying in the moment becomes slightly uncomfortable and that's because probably the work is such the time is such you want to reach the point where you can do what you want to do or it could be because a few things might be getting to you and you're feeling slightly irritable the reason could be anything but that observation of moving forward faster sometimes leaves you feeling that not temperamental that's a stronger word but slightly more impatient than what you used to be absolutely correct i have always been impatient i don't think this is something which has been just in the last just before this call i was on to another call with um with an institution that i'm leading and i have members out there and i was i was pointing out hey we we could have done this we could have done this i expect this to be at a speed of light i think it's going at the speed of sound it's not enough and <laughs> here you are telling me exactly 45 minutes later <laughs> yep the speed Absolutely. of light it is and interestingly you know uh, when you look at things and again because we are at that letter t i want to explore it a little bit more you always plan 5 7 or up to 10 years down the line even if you are doing a very small project or if you are only looking at a part of that large project you look at it in in that long term perspective and i must tell you you looked at your career your life in that long term perspective 
so when people were rushing and they were like you know pushing one another and trying to get those uh, low hanging fruits you were planting seeds and you're like no it's okay if i don't win these competitions but this is what i want to do and in that context when you are working with a team or an organization you're constantly focused and that's your internal gps system it's not even because you're a leader this is how you are and this is who you are so thereby in any situation even in personal situations you become so long term people are like but it's okay we can just enjoy this part but for you it it cannot happen and i think that has served you very well and also led to some misunderstandings with people uh partly correct okay so i look at life as a marathon and uh, by the way i'm a runner oh or uh, or i used to be a runner two years back i i couldn't run because of all this stuff you couldn't go outside and all that so i've taken a pause but i i continue to be a runner mm-hmm. i i see life as a marathon and and i see careers as marathon okay so just because somebody is ahead of you it does not mean that they are going to win true just because you are ahead of somebody doesn't mean that you're going to win true and so the only thing that you can do is you can compete with yourself you can pace your race you can you can you can kind of jog a little bit or you can you can do a little bit of a canter at times but uh, you certainly will have to keep at it on and on and at some stage i realized i have to just enjoy the race Mm. not get too caught up with this because i know what the objective is mm. reach the finish line so for me that is important but that said i love to run a race and the purpose of the race is to win mm. and if i don't win it's okay as long as i'm in the first 5 mm. so i i put some internal goals on to myself mm. but there are always things that will propel me that will push me that will get me there mm. so um, that's what i do and um as much as possible I, i i try to take people along with me so even in this massive race if somebody is slowing down and feeling rather exhausted i would just pat them on the back and say come on guys let's run let's run keep running keep running and and take them along so the part of misunderstanding for me comes from the fact that people cannot see what you can see they do not see where you are building this whole thing towards and they want to have instant gratifications you know they want to have like the immediate results that they can feel that is meaningful for them and in that context they they forget that the forest that you're building and thereby mostly land up questioning wondering feeling lost in the process why are we working towards this larger goal and i think that constant connection and repeating and you know finding out where they are at becomes a crucial part of your journey then absolutely correct uh, i see people today who want to get promoted in 2 years right i didn't get promoted aditi i didn't get promoted for 8 years on trot 8 years 8 years i came from i was a topper from xlri mm-hmm. and it's one of the top business schools in india right. i didn't get promoted my friends got promoted in in 4 years mm. and they went on to become assistant managers and i was just an officer and i for the life of me i just didn't know what was happening and i got to a stage where 
I, I felt there was something seriously wrong. I went up. I still remember it was the 14th of Jan of a certain year. Okay. It was Lori. And then I went up. There, were, there was a bonfire and all that. I went up and sided up and I said, um, uh, Sir, I not got promoted. And so he said, if Your job is to keep doing your job. And right now we're all enjoying a nice evening. So you enjoy the evening. Be gone. And I, I couldn't say anything at that point in time. So I continued. Two days later, he called me to his house and he had a letter for me. And that letter said that I was getting promoted twice over. It's a double promotion. Never happened in the history of this multinational ever in the entire world. <laughs> Never happened. Wow. And, and at that time, he told me something interesting. He says that um, a bamboo does not grow very fast. Yep. It takes, you know, it'll grow about uh, hardly about two or three inches and then stay there for a very long time. It'll not grow. And then suddenly, after a good four to five years, it'll grow at the rate of six inches a week. Wow. And, and get it to a height of almost 80 feet. Wow. And all the time, what's happening is it's growing roots. And he said, Nathan, you were growing roots. And all I was doing is making sure you got the right amount of nutrition so you draw some really good roots. Mm. So if you get delayed, it's not denied. Now I'm trying to explain all this to a whole group of millennials and they are <laughs> looking at me and they are saying, are, are you crazy? You think I'm going to wait for eight years? So, I don't want the roots. I just want the fruits. Like, let's get yeah. on with the program. <laughs> so very different, but contextually, we have to understand the new world that we are in. And, and therefore, it's important to understand the aspirations of people, what they would like to do. And if you have to, if you have to do everything possible to change, do it. Because this is the new world. You cannot have your past rules conduct what is the happening of the day. So I'm learning. And I think that's the most amazing part. Like in spite of all your experience and achievements, uh, and I find this with many high performers and leaders. They're so willing to learn. They're constantly figuring out ways in which they can grow in their personal marathon. And marathon is my favorite analogy because I feel if you're running away from a dog or you're running towards a kite, then you're externally influenced and the motives kind of just keep you pulled and pushed. Whereas marathoners actually run because they love running. Exactly. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. So Nathan, again, back to your handwriting and a question that I can answer. The other one that I have is, the, um, I also wonder what I'm going to be doing for the next foreseeable 10 years. Mm -hmm. And the question to you is, do you believe that the handwriting is any indication of where that is moving? Where exactly it is moving, no. But if no. you have two or three options, uh, because that would be future predictive. If I mm. tell you where exactly it is moving and graphology doesn't have that scope. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you tell me these are the three options that I'm considering, then definitely it can give us the trajectory of what would be the most suitable one. So a couple of ones where I, I, I think 
I will continue to work um, till I die. You must. That that is like given. That is mandatory for you with the kind of intellectual stimulation. The first point that I made. So that is given. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so question is part of this is a a little bit in the area of helping people achieve their potentiality. So that's one area. And the other one is knowledge related. One is helping others find their edge. The other one is knowledge related. So in the area of helping people learn and so on. And, and I'm wondering which is the one that, um, that I could spend the rest of my life. So one is exploring things for yourself and constantly pushing the bar and experimenting. What very few people are aware about you is you are a big lover of experimenting. So you would simulate things, you would create situations and you observe how people behave in those situations. You observe exactly what their temperaments are. So not designing it, not deciding it, but keeping open questions and exploring it with them. And I think that's phenomenal because that means taking risks. That also means willing to hurt or at times lose people in the context because they are not ready to push them their own limits, but you would. And probably that's the reason you have such a strong fan club, if I may say, of people who used to work with you or people who left, but still choose to keep in touch with you. The reason being they, they then observe after they left and they moved on that the period that they worked with you was the most challenging and yet adventurous period that they went through, right? So the adventure challenges driven by curiosity is going to be the fundamental reason why you would be working till the last breath because you would want to explore and giving a knowledge base to people or solving their problems or even being a facilitator for many people to solve their problems, all of these things are only offshoots of what you would be doing for yourself. So any career choice, any move that you choose, and specifically because, again, you're thinking long-term about how you're going to look at life and 10 years, nothing lesser than that. (laughs) (laughs) In that context, having an aspect list will be better than a goal list. which means what would you like to explore in the goals that you might achieve? Because sometimes goals can be restrictive. You know you will work with people for sure. You know you would follow these few traits that I described for sure. You also know that when you work with them, you would want to have the authority to challenge them. You want to have the design and the team who would understand your philosophy. Now, these are the aspects with all these things fulfilled, no matter which of these, because they're very closely connected topics that you spoke about, whether knowledge or helping people, because even if you choose knowledge, you will be helping people. And if you choose people, you will be you know, making sure that they learn and you grow. So this is going to be correlated. But starting with an aspect list I have seen is a more fulfilling experience. And uh-huh. I'm going to quote Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, who wrote that phenomenal uh-huh. book called Flow. He speaks about how doing the activity for the sake of the activity 
has been the highest performing mindset that people could cultivate so in your case you have been doing it now probably the next gen of it would be letting people be in flow when they are around you i feel this is where you are at according to my assessment so when you talked about flow when you talked about this whole thing around aspect uh, what i heard is it's not an either or it's almost like an ampersand you can hold both these worlds and i'm reminded of something that happened years ago um still happens today simple act of polishing shoes mm-hmm. and i was once i used to be working in a in a as i told you i i joined a multinational straight out of my business school now i used to clean polish my shoes forget even polish now i used to clean my shoes mm-hmm. and i used to go, it was a factory mm-hmm. and i used to go and my boss was a army officer retired and every time he used to notice this he never used to make any mention of this and many days went past one day it rained when it rained my shoes got cleaned when my shoes got cleaned or are they the mud on those shoes they got, got right off yeah they were what i went into his office he looked at me and he looked at my shoes and he says nothing your shoes are shiny and how do i explain to him it's it's got nothing to do with me and you know i made some excuses this that thank you uh captain saab and then i i walked away what do you think i did the next day as i was leaving for my office you polished your shoe exactly exactly and and today when i polish my shoes is almost so reverential and they would be applying the wax and then drying it out and taking it all and cleaning it i i think just in the moment that spending that time makes a lot of difference so when you talked about flow i just it, it just took this something within me but if a job has got to be done let's do a good job i need to do a good job this is interesting when we spoke about flow you did not speak about an intellectual a complicated situation you spoke about something so mundane so everyday and uh, just to establish that flow once it starts in one area can actually work into other areas as simple as polishing shoes absolutely it's, it's amazing so do you still enjoy polishing your shoes i do okay i do i do in fact even if i'm going to a hotel i find that they have only those um, <laughs> shoe shiners which i think is such an apology for cleaning your shoes <laughs> so i would i would take my polish with me i would have my brush and i would spend the night prior cleaning my shoes polishing my shoes and keeping them in chip shape jackie chan spoke about this and meryl streep spoke about this they said i do one thing in a day that always reminds me where my roots are and you know he washes his undergarments and she irons her clothes specifically just to make sure that you are reminded of all always being grounded or connecting to everyday things so i think this is where where you're coming from uh is there any experience in your career in your life that you thought the conflict was so high that you thought you're not going to crack the code and eventually you did it i think it's not a big thing it happens it happens very often there could be in in the kind of jobs that we are in the role that we play always certain conflicts do we do this do we do that and you have to take a stand 
in the people business, sometimes the organization and its leaders would look at things from an economic standpoint. Mm. But somebody has to hold the, a very strong line of what it is to be a people champion. Mm. And today, everybody and his uncle, they are speaking about being a business partner. Yeah. Understanding the business and working for the business, enabling the business and all that. Uh, do you realize that no business can run without people? Of course. So it's a conflict that happens very often in my own mind. But are you able to separate and say, okay, I think I've got to be people champion. Let's do my job right. Somebody can worry about the economics. Mm. Let them do that. And ultimately, when you take a call, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Because if I'm trying to be the business and then I'm trying to be the people, people. champion as well, it, it's, it's so conflicted, it becomes a problem. So try not to do both. I mean, you have to support the business, but when you have to take a stand, you know what is the stand that you're going to take. It's going to be a champion of people. So you're saying that it's a tough one, isn't it? Because it's like if you're, if you're people's champion and if the business fails as a result, then all the process that you go through may or may not lead to even your people growing. At the same time, if other way around happens, that's also a challenge. So you're saying you have chosen to be a people's champion always and it has worked. Sometimes it does not work. In the times of COVID, you have to take a very tough stand. Yeah. Are we going to let go of people or are we just going to say, okay, we're going to rein back the normal increments that you would give, the, the pay hikes that you would give. This was when the year before last, you know, or, or last year, I'm losing track of this two years. <laughs> we, we took a stand. We said, we won't let anybody go. Why? Because we said, that's not who we are. So that's the people champion there. Other one that says... Nominal call for, for an organization like yours, which is... Yeah, 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 we won't lose people. Yeah, we may take a pause. And then there is restitution. Make good the loss. When things are brighter, when there are green shoots coming up, then make sure that you, you get back. The restitution needs to happen. Mm. And that has happened. So Nathan, is there any personal ideology, a quote, or a song that you keep reminding yourself every now and then just to stay with your level of motivation and connection? Two of them. Okay. One is uh, my personal credo, water cuts rock. Oh, nice. And I never tire of that. I think we just have to persist. We have to do what we have to do. So that's one. The other one is, again, on the back of that, something that I'd, I'd penned uh, on, on Office Truths, which to me is, uh, is the thing that I keep reminding myself. There will always be a day when the yellow river will turn clear and the wheels of fortune will turn in your favor. There will be a day in your life when the yellow river turns clear and the wheel of fortune will turn in your favor. So whenever that day has to come, it will come. It and you come. keep and you keep in mind that water will cut the stone. So you, you stay in the process. Water cuts. Yeah, yeah. 
Very optimistic, very optimistic. Hey, all these clouds, they will abate. They'll bring rains, welcome showers. So, you know, just, just to add to this, what you're saying, and I'm, I'm curious about this, that when we look at the, the final goal, the objective, and, you know, for example, the fortune might not come. You know, some people really have harder lives. But still, when you stay in the process, when you're enjoying what you're doing, when you're committed to that, that by itself builds a fortune internally. It might not look the way and it might not be the competition. I'm also connecting to the fact that for those first eight years when you didn't get promoted, uh, you actually look at things, you kept on being the part of the process to figure out then the result showed up when the, the clouds were. Okay. Uh, one last question about the conflict and when you are being egoistic like when people you know like as a leader you realize that you are holding on to your idea because you're convinced in your mind and you believe that that should be the thing and that would help my team and and that's the beginning point but you don't realize when you start being egoistic and when you start holding on to that how do you one catch according to you on a you know practical levels and how do you reset them? Because you have already damaged people, you already hurt them, knowingly, unknowingly, and you believe that you're doing it for the larger good. But then you realize, oh my God, that wasn't the case. I was being egoistic. It was not for the team, but because I felt my point was better. But as a leader, you realize it. How do you reset? So it's a very fine, uh, first of all, great question. There's a very fine line between a strong point of view and being egoistic. Okay. My way or the highway is the egoism that would come in play. Mm. But holding a strong point of view and being, it's, it's okay when others come by and say, hey, listen, you have a strong point of view, but I think this is the way to go. Mm. And we would go this way. And having an acceptance and a grace to say, yeah, this is my view. I hold a strong point of view, but there seems to be another one. But I don't know. I, I have great dissonance with that, but I will still go with it. Now, how do you know what is egoistic and how not? So there are times when I will go seek feedback. Okay. So I'll ask some of my colleagues. I'll say, yeah, I hope I was not too, I held on to this. Just give me some feedback. And they will say, boss, I think, you know, you went over the top. Mm. And I would say, so uh, they did frazzle people and they would say, yes. Mm. And that's the time you step back and say, oh, I think I must have tread on some, some people, tread on toes, perhaps unwittingly hurt them. Mm. And um, just, just that awareness in the moment of what has transpired. No, you can't undo what has happened in the past. Right. But you could be conscious about the people who would have got hurt in the process. So that again, that bridging with those people in a subtle way, but not going back to the conversation, it would seem rather trite. Mm. It, it requires some effort. And I will try to put in that effort. Um, I think it's important to be um, to be aware, to be humble. Uh, my first day at work was rather crazy, Aditi. Mm -hmm. I, I I came in from a 
from a great university and I was a topper of the batch and so on. So I sat in a, and I was told that I should go to a, a, an explosives factory in a place called Gomia, which is in Jharkhand, current Jharkhand, earlier to speak Bihar. I manufactured explosives for the mines. Mm. And that was my first day, I was supposed to get there. So I was in Madras, went all the way to Calcutta. From Calcutta, you go to, you catch another train. Mm. And this is not one of those great trains, it's one of the steam engines. So even if you look outside, you will have a speck of dust kind of coming right into your eyes. Mm. Get down in the station in a place called Gomia. And I was expecting, because they had written to me saying that somebody will be expecting me. Mm. Nobody there, no placards, no nobody. You don't know a single person. And I had a big hold all and I had a very heavy box and I climbed there and went over that overbridge to the other side, mm. hoping that there'll be some transport. There was nothing except one white colored Peugeot car. Okay. The most fanciful thing that you could find, a uh, correction, uh, a blue colored. Okay. <laughs> Elect electric blue. Oh, okay. Peugeot, okay. Peugeot car. And and there was a gentleman wearing a white shirt and a, and it's almost like a um, like a half trouser, okay. brown in color. He didn't have a hat, and the moment I saw him, he looked at me, and um, he seemed to be a kindly gentleman. He came up to me. He said, um, "I, I, kya in in Hindi?" And I said. No, I'm looking for something, he said. Are you looking for something? So I said, yes, I'm going, I want to get to this particular place. And I said, so he said, surely I can, I can drop you. Okay. And, and then I dropped my bags and, um, and I said, okay, uh, put it in the trunk. So he went and very, he put the whole thing in the trunk. He okay. sat in the front and then I sat behind. And um, so I said, not bad. They sent me a fantastic Peugeot car to pick me up. <laughs> and so the driver kept on asking me all kinds of questions in Hindi. He asked me where I was from, what I was going to be doing. And I was getting irritated with the driver who spoke too much. I just wanted to get to the guest house. I just wanted to have my breakfast. And, I was and this was a Sunday. So you're tired already. And I'm already tired and, and not used to... So anyway, I the whole experience, when I got to the guest house, and again, he picked up the luggage and, and kept them. And the moment, there were some three or four people who came running from the guest house. And the moment they spied me, they, they gave me a big salute. They came in and took my bags. And uh, I, I wished my driver goodbye. And then I, I went up. And I don't know what happened. Next day, I was supposed to meet the chief executive of that place. I've been told that this guy was a phenomenal guy. And, and um, so I went into the office. This is one of those teak panel corridor, mm -hmm. which leads into a large room. Mm -hmm. And there is one person at the corner and he's got a very large desk. And I was told that Dr. Shivan Varma is a very serious guy. So I went in and, and knocked on the door. And as I walked in, this gentleman, turned and as soon as he turned my first question is hey driver what are you doing here oh my god, oh my god. and he said in, in chaste english he said 
And he had a British accent. I can't repeat that. He said, um, Mr. Nathan, it's good to have you on board. Welcome. Kindly take a seat. Oh, my God. I, I went, it's unbelievable. I went jelly and I was weak in my legs and uh, I was ashen-faced. And that was my first lesson in humility. That's unbelievable. And the best is this gentleman, Dr. Varma, never, never referred to it ever. Never made fun of me. Never poked, poked fun of me in public. Never spoke about it. Never, ever. That, that was, was your great. first day. That was my first day. Incredible. That was my first day. It, it was. I mean, I keep referring to this because I, I maybe the details I would have, I would have gone up and down a little bit, but it's pretty graphic. What yeah. happened that day? And it and, probably shaped you for life. Yeah, yeah absolutely. There are no training programs that can help you here. And uh, handwriting has also changed for me. I, I used to, I mean, my handwriting was kind of rotund, kind of round, and it was very neat. I, I had to make sure that if I write, then examinations, it's got to be very neat, and I would underline things and separators, and, and I had a very good handwriting. Today, if I look at my handwriting, it's, <laughs> uh, it's so patchy, and I'm so ashamed of my handwriting. So the question to you, Aditi, yes. do handwriting change over a period of time? Is there a... Uh, or is there anything that one should read into such things? So if I claim that your handwriting can study you, talk about you, and has such a strong correlation, with all technical grounds, it must change. It's like uh -huh. your collection. Uh -huh. However, the three parts to handwriting. One, that never changes. Second, that changes after five or seven years. And uh -huh. the third one is where it changes every now and then. Uh -huh. And that's why it is confusing. People think, oh, my handwriting changed. But the pressure of your writing, mm -hmm. or I would say the spacing between the words mm -hmm. change. Ah. The things like margins, you know, like when you look at the page at a distance, sometimes it moves to the right, left. Mm -hmm. So the margins that are done, especially on an unruled paper, mm -hmm. they change, but they take three to five years to change because it takes a lot of your living and making decisions that re is reflected eventually. And then you have mood swings. We all are impatient, mm, mm, chronic, mm, you know, dealing with things. They're temporary. They probably stay for a day or for a week. And handwriting also reflect that. Mm, when mm. I do my high performance coaching sessions, we every 15 days or every week, I would ask the, the client to write. And I can mm. see the progression or how the 15 days were. So instead of me telling me what happened, I'm like, oh, these are the three things happened. And they're like, oh, how do you know? Because <laughs> handwriting captured it. So, yeah. so more with more awareness, those subtle changes, body captures. The most mm -hmm. fascinating part of it is your body is always aware. So your mm -hmm. mind sometimes is, is not aware because we are preoccupied, we are worked up, all of that. But body is honest. Ah. If you are lying to yourself, if you are pushing your limits, it would capture. And handwriting is a mere representation of that. And thereby it is so accurate. Wow. Wow. Excellent. Uh, last, before you leave, one last question. It is from Rishali Kulkarni, who is part of our community. She asked, in this hybrid, you know, like that constant online, offline, and mostly online and avoiding the conversations, uh, it has changed us. We are different uh -huh. people. Uh -huh. Like uh, after the lockdown opened up and I 
have done online calls almost every single day. We had some social initiatives. I've been in front of people. I didn't take like just a lockdown effect didn't happen. Still, when lockdown opened and I had to meet people, it took some time for me to be ready for it. Now, people who have not done it and they kind of actually took breaks and went away from their teams. What are those three things you think have worked in your organization or in your observation specifically that people can keep in mind to still keep the team together? I think if you have to keep the team together, um, the three things one could do is one, stay connected. Technology helped us a huge deal to stay connected, but they are all virtual connects. You need the live connect. So you need to you need to do that. That's number one. That check-in with your people idea was phenomenal. That's yeah, like that's, the discipline that you build. That's right. That's yeah. right. You you have to build that. The the second one is um, you need at some point in time you need you, you need to almost um, program 15 or, or 30 minutes, call these check-ins, just to talk about things which are happening in people's lives and not speak about anything to do with the stuff that happens on an everyday basis. And people will, will ask me nothing, but how is this possible? There are only eight hours in a day. It is possible. Because it's not like we spend all the time, there were coffee breaks. Yep. Um, we had our lunches. Right. We moved from a table to table. I mean, when you're walking down the corridor, you meet somebody, you can, just by looking at them, you can make out if something is right or wrong. Of course. The body language in a room. I mean, so there are a lot of things. So I think that's the second part, which is those, the conversations and the check-ins that we have. I think the third one, to make sure that, that we stay connected with the team is understand their motivations. When I say understand the motivation is, we need to have honest conversations about what they truly want. Sometimes we don't express ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's why I touched upon it earlier, listening and listening to the unsaid. I think it is so important for us, listening to the unsaid, ask a question, be open, be willing to, to be found fault with. It's okay. But just the very act of listening. And after you listen, you must do something about it. Mm. I mean, it's not like people are loading on things to you and for you to say, okay, I've heard you and that's mm -hmm. it. No. Yep. It's doing something about it. And even if it's a small gesture to start with, mm. it can go miles. It's amazing. This is literally like with each conversation, with each interaction, you actually understand who you are as a person when you're with people you're listening to, people you're working with. And what you're, what I loved, and it is so natural, or at least you try to make it sound so natural, that when you connect with them, you are like a child, constantly looking at things that you can learn from. And then you get into the role, and as a leader, you ask, with all the information gathered, what can I do here to make the shift that I have understood, I have, I have captured? And that requires- I have, I have one more. Yes. Um, I think all of us, nothing to do with connect. I would say if you really want to connect very well, disconnect. Very nice. 
please explain that yeah disconnect for 30 minutes a day stay with yourself you will become far more aware just don't go aimlessly because the the, the thing that really ruins our life is just this <laughs> the the mobile phone that we have enslaved ourselves to exactly <laughs> i i don't want to call a digital detox but somewhere getting away from your mails getting away from all this just being with yourself and doing i mean it might sound very silly maybe you're having a cup of tea just stay with a cup of tea when you're polishing your shoes when you're polishing your shoes just stay with polishing your shoes when you're talking to a friend of yours no mails just be with that person in the moment anything that you can do if if it is if you're not doing more than one thing that's fine do if you are cooking then focus only on cooking the best of meal will occur will happen if if you because you're putting your life into it that's just stay true. in the moment so disconnect is another great way of connecting thank you i i, I love this one i think we're going to quote you on this we're going to actually talk about this because this is phenomenal thank you <laughs> thank you aditi thank you thank you so much this was really like i'm going to listen to this conversation and make my notes one more time because sure. so many pearls that we had in this one single thing so to our listeners if you have liked something from this conversation please take out time to implement one or two things in in this month do not wait for that right moment because i think today's conversation was filled with so many practical stuff so take action and see how you feel about it you can drop the idea later that's fine but until you're there like experiment and figure that out thank you so much i i thoroughly enjoyed myself and i believe our listeners will also appreciate so much of learning in one one episode thank you thank you thank you aditi thank you sometimes we know things we know exactly what to do but we do not like them doing it and then you meet someone who describes that experience that insight that learning in such a simplistic manner that you would want to take an action you want to move forward you want to solve that problem that you are sitting on that you are ignoring for the longest time this conversation had many moments like that if you have captured any then act on it share this conversation with someone who is struggling with their professional conflicts or dealing with their bosses or even struggling to talk in their family about things that are not working instead of giving up on your relationship how about changing the way we look at our relationships and learning how we can go beyond conflict thank you so much again it was a privilege i thoroughly 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 enjoyed this conversation with nathan in every episode before i sign off i thank every listener and i believe without you this conversation couldn't have been possible but today i also want to take a moment to thank the producer of our show rashi ganeriwal she has been relentless she has been committed to finding the content finding the people finding the conversations that can enrich our journey mine as a podcaster and your as a listener thank you rashi thank you so much for being part of this phenomenal journey i don't think we could have seen such amazing episodes without the the curation that you bring to the show so as we discuss different things on the podcast by learning by talking with our leaders we implement these things in a structured format in india's first mental and emotional gym called apt 
if you have been curious if you have learned about it and if you want to take the journey further learn about this particular program on our website aptforme.com the mental gym is a weekly group coaching program which is power packed with action items and result oriented thinking and actually finding what would work for you for you to go to the next level so do check it out to know more about our content you can follow me on instagram my id is at aditi sarana i'll see you on friday with one more interesting episode on the absolutely right podcast till then happy writing Thank you.